This is Daniel. This is Nicole. And this is Jean. And we are Panay Podcast to magically disappoint our parents. Hello, we're back. Hi. We always come back uh, to our listeners. Um, again, we always love to open up these episodes with some fan mail. We got one from Jeremiah, who isn't Filipino. Um, it came through the text messages. So he's... Ooh. He's a white family. Wait a minute. Um, not by How does blood. he have Bruja Baddy's phone number? Right. Um, he is my cousin-in-law. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> still a fan. He's still a legitimate fan. Um, um, all the way from Utah. Um, just kidding. But this is, this is pertaining to our socially awkward episode. Um, he wrote, I'm also thankful you made this. It helps me understand my coworker, his coworker's Filipino, a lot better and reminds me that there's so much I do not know. And even though I try to treat everyone with kindness and empathy, that doesn't mean I'm doing it correctly. That one's from Jeremiah, a non-Filipino listener. Any uh, hot takes on this, Nicole and Daniel? Um... I guess suggest to your coworker to listen to Bruja Baddies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's got to be lonely out there in the in the U. <laughs> it is so true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thanks, Jeremiah, for writing us, and anyone else who writes us, take it away, Daniel. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, if you haven't noticed yet, um, Bruja Baddies is obsessed with uh, with Trece. Um, I actually am a little late to the game, but once I turned it on, I was just like, mm. and then when I put the subtitle, not the subtitles, the um, audio on, on Tagalog, I was just like, and, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> on today's episode, we meet line producer of the show, Michael Macasero. Um, shout out to Jean's friend, Quincy J. Victoria. Uh, the show is built on several degrees of friendships we hold that become our guests. So um, special thanks to Quincy for connecting us to Michael. And Michael, we are so happy to have you on our Bruja Baddie show. Yay! Thanks for having me. Uh, so we love checking in. That's our, our jam. So Mikey, how are you doing today? How'd the week treat you? <laughs> It's okay. Um, so I am a fairly new father. My child is a wow. year and eight months. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. We have a, another one coming in in <gasps> mid-September, which Whoa. is going to be bananas. <laughs> but um, yeah, honestly, like just balancing between work and, and taking care of the kiddo is... Uh... Imagine that work-life balance also for men. <laughs> <laughs> It's a thing. It well, welcome to fatherhood and welcome to Thank second you. stage of fatherhood, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been my week, pretty much. Nicole, yeah, um, rip to your sleep schedule. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, but you say mid-September? Is that Virgo uh, season? Virgo season. So, yes. Yeah, they'll, they'll get stuff in control. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry. <laughs> if anything, Virgos will get stuff done. <laughs> So. Right out of the womb, just come in. <laughs> Already planning. He's going to slap himself. Yeah. <laughs> it comes out. got a planner in the womb. They're doing the bullet journaling in there. You got a PowerPoint <laughs> ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, y'all, I took a wood turning class the other day. Wait, 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 could you tell us what wood turning is? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Um, wood turning is like how, uh, I guess, wood makers make like table legs and baseball bats. Wow, so it's like we taking, so... taking wood and um, like it literally spins. Turning. Yeah, Whoa. it spins on a, on a machine called a lathe. And then you take like a, like a chisel or something to shape it into stuff. Oh, so it's kind of like pottery, but wood. Woodery, I guess. Woodery. Yeah. Are we but, just uh, making up stuff? I, I, I am. I don't, they probably <laughs> no, no, it's will. a thing. It's a thing. Woodery. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but cool, cool, definitely, cool. I'm definitely getting a bunch of like um, carpentry ads on all my social media, which is like, yeah, cool. I would love to do this stuff. At love a, and targeted ads. At an affordable price, please. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did this at Wood It Is, which is up in Northtown, I guess. Wow, what a um, pun. <laughs> Uh, which I thought from I thought it was wooditis, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or like wood tits, which would have been okay, cooler, but sexy and so it's cool. Like so, it was, I went to wood it is, and uh, this dude Jeff from Broken Skull Woodworks uh, comes in and he teaches a lathe class, um, and it was hella cool. Like I made a bottle stop and a pen, so look at my really phallic. 
Stopper. <laughs> wow, multi wow. and a pin, y'all. I made it here for the for the YouTubers. <laughs> oh, okay, wow. Yeah, That's like nice. this used to be like blocks of wood, and I whittled it. I didn't whittle it, but like I I'm mean, a lesbian, y'all. <laughs> I love that. So, like that was cool. Like I got my butch on this week, um, and then. I also didn't know that like sharpening an axe would take so much time. <laughs> so like, wow. so YouTube makes it seem like so easy, and I'm just like, um, I don't like, know. Like, I guess I'm I'm feeling my age, where like, it's just it's too tiring for my hands. I don't mm. know how I'm gonna become a woodworker with like the Arthur's, you know? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's not in the cards for me. No, we'll, uh, we'll demifest it. Daniel, how's it going? Um. Summer's dwindling down to a week, and I really freaking hate it. Um, <laughs> Don't we all? Um, so, like, I'm trying to, like, maximize as much as possible. I uh, got three more embroidery projects. Um, I experimented with French desserts this week. Yeah, um, I saw your so I did. Yeah, I, I made, well, I tried doing croquembouche, which is, like, a tower of cream puffs. But I didn't have the right piping tool so then instead of it puffing puffing up like this it puffed up on the bottom so it's like a crescent instead and I'm like okay well I can't that's not a cream puff if I if it's not puffy um I tried ube macarons and um the the batter was a little too the batter for macarons is finicky Mm. um so mine looked very much like boobs therefore boobie sexy sells Um, again (laughs) (laughs) um if y'all want some boobie just let me know um (laughs) uh i've been playing with my new kitten i've been playing super mario sunshine on my switch but i got really angry at one level because i couldn't i just got stuck and i'm like okay well fuck this um oh and then today just today i went to my school to um to check out all of the books that we've ordered. And like, I was just like standing in this really hot library because they turn off the AC whenever no one's right, there. Same those, those um, points. And I was just like, there's a lot of books by people about people of different cultures and identities. And I was just like, I'm making, I'm making a change here, mm-hmm. but now I need like another thousand dollars to make sure that those books stay protected. Wow, any donors out there, please uh, send send your money this way. Um, wow, um, I'm glad you're passionate about it, even in the the heat of the library. Um, <laughs> my my uh, my check in is yeah, I've been watching the Olympics, and I'll tell you, I've been crying all weekend, um, just just because I I don't ever really see like physically. Um, out of beauty standards, Filipinas. And so, uh, yeah, I understand that Filipino feminism like has always existed in like very shades of history, but like they're told and untold. And it was like really nice to see like a few of our Kawabayan metal or no metal get recognition in like a global way through media. Um, and to me, it's like a shared victory. I, I guess, I don't know. I think it's a lot of like, because we're not really seen in media, and which will segue into why Mikey's joining us today. It's just like, it's just like this pain. Like it's like this like underlying pain of like, I've never seen. And then you see your, see like that kind of visibility for like five years, like, oh, it kind of feels good. And then you just start crying because you, you know, you're invisible. Anywho, so um Carol, yeah. like, is this a, is this how white folks feel like? When they see each other questions. <laughs> media? Send it into our fan mail, right? <laughs> I know, right? Um, so shit's tough, shit's heavy. And so, you know, I, there's always seen and unseen barriers. I'm just always hoping that there's like these large breakout moments like in this media visibility, um, like Tressa, and there's this just, you know, just hopefully a generation is influenced. I mean, you know, throwing that out there, universe. Um, but yes. Um, thanks everyone for showing us your full selves in this check-in. All right, take it away, Nicole. Oh, so Mikey. Hello. What <laughs> is it that you do versus what is it that people think you do? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, as a um, as a line producer on on actually, because even between animation and live action, there's there's a difference. A line producer in um, live action, for instance, is usually also the person that kind of like is able to like get money for funding for the, wow. for the you know the show the movie like you, you kind of do those things as a line producer um for animation it is literally like seeing down the line like that's 
the best analogy that I could think of, um, <laughs> where you kind of have to try to see things like, okay, you start from the beginning and just kind of mm. like, okay, what do we need to get to where? Um, it's funny because like even when you make a schedule, you start with like, okay, what day are we delivering this? And then you work backwards. Wow. <laughs> so like kind of like, how can we make this? How can we make this work? Like how long does each department have? Like that kind of thing. And you just try to plan it from there. Um, and then you try to figure out like how many people you need. And then that figures out how much each person gets paid. It's super boring, but it's all like really necessary. I don't think that's boring at all like you're speaking very virgo to me like i that makes so much sense you have a virgo placement mikey like uh let's see your birth chart <laughs> i wouldn't know i'm may 22nd oh well, does that make you a taurus no i'm gemini like first day of gemini oh oh you're on the cusp bullheaded in fate i'm just kidding <laughs> juggling, juggling a lot of things wow i mean the money part always makes like be sweat in a way where it's like ooh, great project uh money for follow-through <laughs> like yeah know, so that's a tough that's and, pretty tough it is and that's and that was the thing too with with Therese was that um so Jay Oliva our our executive producer mm-hmm. um I've known Jay f- since 97 dang way back oh. when yeah I'm old so, <laughs> <laughs> um but you know, we've, we've known each other for so long. And when, when Netflix tapped him to, to do it, um, I was one of the first people he called cause he was like building his team mm-hmm. and oh, friendship. You know, so yeah. one of the first thing, yeah, you know, just like you bring everyone on, especially because it's Filipino and, and it's, you know, his, his thing really was, that's why he wanted really like to have me on there. Um, and you know, thank God. Cause like when he called me, I was like, I need to be part of this. Like I'm yes! you know, still working the same job that I had then, but it was like, I was trying to like, I, I was like, I will make this work as much as I possibly can. Dang, and, that's uh, beautiful. That really yeah. is. That's a solid, like, that's like solid friendship. It could have been that's like- the kind of nepotism we love to see. <laughs> 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 it's like good nepotism, you know? Yeah, and it's, it really was like, you know, his, like the lawyer that he got was someone that he met working on like uh, another project on, he was, because Jay's been doing stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like I worked with him back at, you know, we've been working with each other like over the years, periodically here and there, some places more than others. And at one point he ended up, making like working in you know um feature films met a lawyer that's who he got in for that side production he got me for the directors we got some of our old buddies from back in the day back at sony like in the late wow. 90s so it's like he was really just bringing his core team together and wow um as as the line producer like yeah you kind of do figure out like, okay how are you going to try to make this work and then money wise we also had to try to figure out like well it's the first time netflix was doing something with him so they you know, they keep the budget small because right. it's, like, it's the first time, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of had to prove, you know, Jay had to still like prove himself to, right. to the company, um, even though he came on like a bunch of recommendations. But, um, <clears throat> but with that, um, you just really just trying to, <laughs> trying to be as creative as you can with the money. Um, it got a little bit bigger because, you know, like as, as it was going on, uh, realizing like this, you know, like we had all six pretty much all six scripts sort of like laid out um, roughly at first um, we got each we got we got them three scripts at a time so we came we got them in two batches and we actually when we initially started making the shows we made them out of order wow. yeah. and it was and it was also but that was also because we were just trying to also manage like where like the because we figured like okay this episode might be a little bit more talking so as the animators are really like getting used to drawing the characters, let's let's have them practice with the scenes that are like less oh, wow. less super actiony and more like because you know every animation studio when they get a new show they got to learn how to draw that show. Mm, right. and so that's the other thing is thinking about that stuff as well. Um, wow, so many parts. Wait, yeah, that's like there's a, a lot of moving parts. Yeah, to it I mean you... it takes a lot to make something. I mean, Orchestrate. you know just. Just yeah. as a as a quick aside, so like my my main my daily job is I work on Bob's Burgers. What? what? Yeah. <laughs> One episode takes forty, no, yeah, about forty eight weeks to make. So what? We, out. My mind is blown. I I don't know. We know about a year out what the what the next episodes will be and stuff. So, and so that was the thing was I was balancing like all of this stuff. Like I would do my day job because I always made sure that 
it didn't interfere with work when right. I was working on Therese. Like it had to remain, it's, it's the whole thing because I felt like if I do anything during like those hours, it's a disservice to like my day job, you mm-hmm. know? Like, so I tried to keep them always separate, but that also meant like a lot, a long hour. Right, <laughs> like that can't be. <laughs> Yeah, and that's when my wife was pregnant with our first. So, oh, like, <laughs> shout yeah. out to that other MVP. To the show. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was bananas. Um, wow, I'm sorry. Wow, like I think yeah. as from a you know we're all kids who have grown up with cartoons. I feel like um, what a disservice to not know the things that go behind right. it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's it's funny to me when I have people on on like you know that I work with in our building. And they say like, wait, you worked on what? And it's like a cartoon that they grew up with. And I'm like, oh man, it's just a reminder of how old I am. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like also you could think about it in the sense that like, I mean, like for me, like I'm a fan of Bob's Burgers. Like when you Mm -hmm. said that you worked on Bob's Burgers internally, I was like my own Tina. And I was just like, uh. (laughs) Um, But also at the same time, it's like now I appreciate it more knowing that one, it took a lot of like time to like produce one episode, and oh, yeah. also uh, there's a Filipino on on right. the team. Oh, there's a few of us. Whoa. Filipinos. Okay. Yeah. Like actually, speaking of Tina, there's my pride Tina right there. Oh my yes. god. Figure, and then like right here, you can see like our. This is one of our pride bags that we made. Wow. Bob. So our our one of our directors, one of our supervising, like wait, well, one of our not, not one of I mean, one of our directors, uh, Simon Chong, he actually does all of our pride merch. Like if you see our uh, the Bob's Pride stuff, because he's there's someone is, dedicated the, to. <laughs> he is yeah. part of the community, so we originally tapped him, like, hey, just to make sure we don't miss a beat, you know, would you be interested in doing some of the artwork for it? And he's like, sure, of course. And and he, Simon is a fantastic, fantastic person. I I love Simon dearly, um, but yeah, every time. He comes up with something. It's it's so great. Um, but anyway, so sorry. Yeah, no, that's so cool. I just like I understand why you know even though we've met for like all of fifteen minutes, I understand why you're the line producer. I mean, it seems that uh, even in that in you just talking about Simon, like it seems like you treat your crew like you fully see everyone. Um, so we try. Like, that's always been my thing. So early on in my career. Um, there was someone who was training me and mm-hmm. this is when I was like a PA. Like I, I started what? in animation as a driver. Like what? I was picking up things and delivering. Okay. This is how far back I go. I was picking up film. Wow. Real film. Wow. No, just yeah. kidding. I know what real film is, but for but it was, <laughs> I was, I would, you know, I was driving, like driving to the Valley. I didn't, I only had a pager. So if someone called me to pick something up, I had to pull over. <laughs> I had to pull over, call them, like, hey, man, while you're picking that up, can you also swing by, what's it called, and pick up the negatives? Like, sure, go. Uh, um, but I started, like, and, you know, as a driver, and then as I started to go up into produ- the production route, um, as a PA, uh, the, the guy who mentored me, Jonathan Kasson, I still remember, and he actually was, became one of the, one of, like, an exec over at Fox later on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has since left. But um, he taught me, leave, you know, stop the bullshit at you. It's like, if someone has a crappy day and someone is yelling, don't go turn around and like, you know, cause we've all, I'm sure like we've all experienced like someone's having like a crap day. You know, they, they just take it out on someone else who had nothing to do with it. And so that was always, that's always been my thing. And just like, you know, just when someone is yelling, I try to kind of, you know, I'll let them rant and then just kind of like, okay, what's going on? You know, and you just try to like, sometimes someone just wants to be heard. Just kind mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. They're not feeling like they are. And, they just need to uh, get it. Yeah. Um, so, let, so now that we know you've also worked on Bob's Workers, what other thing, um, shows have you worked on prior to Tresse? Ooh, well, let's see. Where's you know, that resume now? <laughs> Extreme Ghostbusters was my first show. Um, and then I also worked on the Godzilla cartoon. Like that was wow. made after mm. the, the Matthew Broderick. Yes. <laughs> Godzilla. I watched that one. <laughs> that one. Um, yeah, I did a lot of stuff at Sony. Um, but it, it was like that Godzilla. Um, there was a show called Heavy Gear. I did another show called Big Guy and Rusty the Boy Robot. Oh yeah. Um, I even did. Uh, I I started the. Oh, I worked on Stuart Little, Harold and the Purple Crayon. Oh. For those were both for HBO, um, and then I was there at the beginning of like the first three episodes for Boondocks. 
Wow. And, and then I left there to go to Disney. Um, then I was at Disney for, um, I was at Disney. I was on the first two seasons of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, which is a trip when my son is watching it because it's like, <laughs> whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I was also, a, like, I worked on the, so Jay was actually my supervising director when I was a revisionist on uh, He-Man in the early 2000s, like 2003, 2004-ish. Um, Okay, so I'm like, how does somebody jump from being a driver to (laughs) production? Do you badger someone? Well, No. Go ahead. um, Can we take it, like, just back a little? Like, Because you said you were a PA. Like, how did you, like, what did you do before becoming a PA? So they actually, uh, the, when I got hired, like I, I wasn't actually, I was an illustration major. And so that was on my, you know, my, Whoa. it's what's even funnier is that, okay. So, um, are you guys familiar with the, uh, the group Camp Low? Camp Low. Camp Low. They, they, they came out at like 97 was the debut album. Um, I'm on Google so Camp Low, they did a song called Lucini. That's like, that's their biggest. Yes. Track. So, yes. okay. So Lucini, right. So that they had a concert at house of blues. I went to go pick up my buddy because we were going to go. The guy who was in charge of operations at Sony, I went to high school with. What? Nice. And so I kind of half jokingly was like, you know, come get me a job. Because I was working at Aer- like Aeropostale at Delamo Mall. So was, <laughs> hey, like, we love those humble beginnings. <laughs> you know, so I was just like, and he said, I have something. It doesn't pay a lot. I'm like, whatever. So that was my, my foot in the door was, was that it just it was it was quite literally someone you know you know it's like Mm. so it was it was getting in there but as far as like getting into the PA position um because they knew that I was an illustration major uh at the time the production assistant that they were looking for was um like you know when you watch a cartoon there's always like you know there's the main stuff that happens and then there's all those people that are just running about Mm -hmm. those are called Mm -hmm. incidentals right and what we needed was what they, well, at least what the show needed was someone to kind of go through the episodes, like go through all the storyboards and choose who those characters were going to be. And so that was my first job. So That's like I, cool. they would give me this like book of models. And it was really just so that character designers did not have to like redraw a new person every single mm. time. Um, one of the character designers, Tom Perkins and I, we had this running joke where there's one guy, what we would do is we would steal his head and put it on another body into like every single episode. So we always, like, and we tried to make it so that way he was always someone that was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So but very yeah, like works, works smarter, <laughs> not yeah. harder. Yeah. yeah, it really was. And it, it was really just so like, I mean, God, on that show, we actually had one, two, five, five character designers, which is almost unprecedented these days. Um, a lot of our shows, like Bob's, we have three. You know, it's like, you know, I've been on shows where there's like one and then maybe like a cleanup person. Does that have to do with um, like the amount of character, like main characters that are on the show? That too. Yeah. Cause like, um, you know, I, I also worked on like a lot of the DC direct videos, like, mm-hmm. you know, the Superman Shazam, Green Lanterns, like a lot of those, the Justice League ones. So, you know, I got to make the Dark Knight Returns, which was awesome for me. Yeah. Um, the 13 year old comic book nerd was just like when we were recording that because our our voice actor for Batman was Peter Weller so I was like Robocop is recording as a <laughs> dark knight this is weird um, but it's you know it is definitely like um, you know it's, it's just, yeah it's just a lot yeah I mean you, it's kind of cool that you're still allowed to geek even if you are part of a huge part of making that happen and yeah, another pro tip that I have just learned now is just like, even if you're joking about getting an opportunity, it is, it could be a foot in the door. So that's it really, really is. great for our listeners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's definitely like, once you get there, like, you know, when I, you know, ha- having talked to students before, cause like uh, Jay, Jay Oliva, actually, he also used to teach storyboarding at LMU, which is his alma mater. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, in talking to the folks there, it's like, you know, it's one thing to get in the door. And I know, you know, the whole saying like fake it till you make it thing. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but to make it, it's like, you really got to work your ass off, mm. you know, and it is really about like trying to learn as much as you can 
you know, try to, and that's why like as a line producer now, like having come up kind of like through the ranks, it's both good and bad for me mm-hmm. just because like, mm-hmm. uh, because I know what needs to be done. I'm also the type that likes to do it myself. Ooh, like, we know. I'm <laughs> we know. not so good at delegating, you know, like my boss now, my supervising producer now, like she gives me so much crap for it, but it's for my own good. So you it's, gotta have a Virgo placement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just you know, my dad. My dad's work ethic was always like very strong, and so I had that as a model. Ooh. Up, you, know? you you put a layer of perhaps like very cultural too, like you know Filipinos. Yeah, there's that thing where they say we're really hardworking, but perhaps it's we isolate ourselves because we're like we have the system that we just made. You know what I mean? Like I mean, it's very layered and whatnot. But um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like I and I'm kind of jumping around here but uh how did your family like so going back to what is it that people think that you do like how do your how does your family react (laughs) to you being a line producer it's you know explaining what I do is always like difficult I feel like especially on you know and anything in production is always kind of hard to to explain what you do because it's like you make the thing and they're like, Oh, do you, do you draw on the computer? I'm like, not personally. No, like there's other people that do that. And when you're basically trying to say like, you're just trying to shepherd everything. Oh, it's kind of hard to like grasp. Like, um, I mean, like what I do now is I'm actually the alternative content manager for Bob's Mm -hmm. and uh, which basically means that like, if you see games in the store and you see merch and stuff that all passes my desk. Oh. so I get to do a lot of like the, the merchandise stuff but luckily like because of you know and that's where like my illustration um background kind of comes into play because I actually get to somewhat art direct like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll kind of try to get things into a place that are that I think is okay before I show it to our supervising director and kind of get his his thing so that job is a little bit easier to explain <laughs> you know but line producing like anything in production I feel is so it's, it's like, unless someone has like a very sort of um, like a job where they kind of manage other people and um, manage projects, it's kind of hard to, you know, because even though it's in an artistic space, mm-hmm. it's still kind of difficult for some people to like, they're like, oh, but, it, like, but it's a cartoon because, you know, it's always like that thing, right? Of like, oh, it's a cartoon, it's for kids. So it seems lackadaisical, right? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, and yeah that and, whole cartoons are for kids yeah yeah you yeah. know where it's like people and that's always been like my friends and I like that's always been like our our frustration here is that it's it's not just for kids it's just a different storytelling vehicle mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's how we view it so you know it's it's it is hard to kind of get past that that thing of like oh but it's a cartoon (laughs) (laughs) have they seen Trefe? because that is not for kids (laughs) and that's the thing right it's like oh it's like but then you know you also there always has to be that like oh that's not how the aswang they always find something man is it because like like because they walked somewhere and saw one personally (laughs) it's like oh because you saw one right that's why yeah well no because someone else saw one yeah dang and that's so that's and that's and that's always like the hard that's uh, that's always been another thing because i mean no matter what like you you always know going in you can't please everybody even more so when you're doing something that is like cultural or it's like (laughs) even your own especially your your parents (laughs) (laughs) like oh why is it so scared there's so much blood oh yeah you stab somebody (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting that they raise blood because violence is so uh, like yeah the news they like full-on show corpses on tv and stuff yeah. like, they I like oh here is someone like getting shot as the motorist goes by I'm like <laughs> why are you showing that <laughs> i feel like this is you know because we all share kind of a commonality with our um, parents not un- quite understanding what we're doing and i think that you know they're Parents love to brag, and I think that they, because they can't tangibly illustrate right. that for other uh, parent peers, they're just kind of like, it's shameful, like, damn it, you know, it's, e- it's easy to say, because I was at, just at the park earlier today, and this guy asked what I do, and I was like, I'm, you know, of course I'm not a nurse, and he's just like, oh, my, but my son listened to me to be a nurse, because it's good money, um, not to, like, knock nurses, but it was, like, easy for him to brag about his son, who's a nurse and a pharmacist, like, so, um, I can't even imagine parents like 
Because I think I just maybe your parents are like he's an artist. I don't know. He works in TV. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, I, I was actually really lucky that my parents were. They were never really against, you know, what I was doing. That's good. Um, but it really wasn't until I think I was. It wasn't really until I was Disney. So that was like 2005 years. So at that mm. point, I've been in the business for like eight eight years, almost nine. And it wasn't until then where they kind of would say like, oh, he's at Disney. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because it was a recognizable <laughs> name. Because even though I was at Sony previously, it was still like, but Sony makes electronics. They don't make cartoons. <laughs> you know, and it, so it's, it, it didn't have like that direct connection. Like they didn't realize, oh, companies can make something and then sell it to the network. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, that, you know, just not knowing how it works. That's all. Um, but they never discouraged me. It was, you know, That's their funny. sort of way of doing it was like, can you make money? Yeah, you know, like exactly, and, and that was really like, and I knew that it came from a, a place of concern, but they never mm-hmm. discouraged me, which I was always, you know, I know I'm really lucky. Yeah, I feel so. like it might also have to do with, um, you know, like our parents not necessarily understanding what we do, mm-hmm. on top of like them just being like, Filipinos are stubborn, <laughs> <laughs> so that it's just a mix of that. And like, if you tell them like, oh, I'm a, like, I work for a cartoon. I work, I work at Disney. And just like, yeah. 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 It's the, definitely, there's definitely that. Cause like, you know, you have like, I'll still, I'll still have the, like the titos and titos that are asking me, what do you do? Right. You know, and try to explain it. Like, and you can tell like, you know, they're smiling, eh, but you're just like, there's, it's, <laughs> they're judging you too. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, when you said that you're a line producer, like, I was just like, okay, what is a line producer? Do they, yeah. like, write scripts? Like, it's a producing lines? And I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you elucidated that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even for our listeners who perhaps want to work in TV or cartooning or illustration or animation, it's like, there isn't very, like, I'm sure, this is, I always joke, like, there's not someone writing this in a history book to put in a library for us to understand what Mikey is going through. So there's no damn roadmap. There's only, like, you, the few elite that, like, make it and sustaining careers in there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what's cool is that, like, when I was, when I was starting out at at Sony, like there was a group of older Filipinos um, and it was cool because they were actually like, we, I re- actually remember, we remembered like when we saw some of who some of them were, it's like, we remembered their names from working in comics. And I thought like, oh shit, that's really cool. Oh. And there was one time, like we were walking, our group was walking and then they were walking. I was like, oh shit, look, that's our future. And then we kind of <laughs> passed. And then we realized like these days now where it's like, now we're those old guys. Wow. <laughs> See these young cats coming in. Um, but it's it's awesome. Like it's 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 definitely like I mean, shoot, like for for the guys that you know who you know for the folks that did it before us, you know, it's like everyone who knows. Like, and we've always been sort of like we've always been there. Mm. We've always been there. Like we may the not media, have been like yeah. you know, the, you know, like we were usually like humble about it. That was right. the thing. You know, and that was it's it's. But we've like, we've always been here. So it makes me think, right? So uh, the question is like, so I'm thinking now working on Tresse, right? Like it seems that it was a majority Filipino team. Did, were there different work dynamics, uh, you know, having people more culturally? It actually wasn't majority Filipino. Um, We actually, no, it was actually, we, we really went with like, who is like, we went with like talent. I mean, as far as like, as far as like the people working on like the, the, the art and creating the stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, Jojo, uh, our art director, Jojo Aguilar, I've actually known him longer than I've known Jay. <laughs> wow. I realized that I've known Jojo long, like I've known him longer than I haven't. Like, You're like an immortal, Mike. We don't even know. We still haven't figured out your actual age and we won't <laughs> yeah. ask you. Know, it's I'm like, 48. <laughs> oh, okay. See? Can't tell. Can't tell. <laughs> it's just the grays. <laughs> but, um, but Jojo I've known for you know like Jojo like when Jay brought in Jojo as the art director that was really like that was a, a, a like that was a big thing and um, Jay and Jojo basically it was their thing to like guide every everyone else mm-hmm. and that's why like even though it wasn't necessarily majority Filipino the the two parts where it's like where a lot of the information is being disseminated from right. those guys were 
The leadership, um, yeah. And then those two actually worked very closely with Tanya Yuson, who was one of the EPs, and she owned like the she was the one that actually brought it to Netflix. Mm. Um, and they were um, what was great was when they before they wrote the scripts, they invited JoJo and Jay. They I was actually supposed to go, but because I was still working, like I was like I can't go, guys. I want to <laughs> go, but I can't. Um, but they went to the Philippines. They talked to the writers. And then they had like the writer summit where they basically broke down every single episode. Wow. They broke down the beats kind of saying, this is what we wanted to accomplish this season. And then also going through the comics, like which parts they wanted to pick and choose from, nice. like which, what did they want to cover? You know, of course, leaving room as you saw, uh, mm -hmm. leaving room for, you know, a possible season two. So mm -hmm. there's, they were instrumental, like from the, from the beginning. And then Tanya and the team in the Philippines, was fantastic in like getting any like reference that we asked for um you know most of our our the bulk of our cast was was filipino or like filipino canadian filipino american mm. um but there was always going to be a tagalog version oh so, okay okay so so it really was like okay how filipino are we going to make it mm -hmm. for the american you know for the english version and so because you know it's it's like a fine line between like oh, having fine line yeah having the uh because tanya's idea <laughs> yeah very because like tanya's idea was always that it should be the the manila accent which is very you know the english is proper mm -hmm. um you still hear the accent of course because they are filipino but you know there's a a fine line between like the manila accent versus like you know Michael, get me the control. You know? <laughs> right, like, it's right. like you don't want to sound like your mom like you're imitating your your parents kind of thing right and it's a it is a, a very fine line way, yeah yeah you don't want it to be, sound like it's like you're making fun so um that is you know that's the great thing too is that you know you have people like eric bauza you know who's i'm so happy for him that he's getting so much love for like his yeah. stuff in space jam right now and plus he's filipino canadian he's kind of from where i'm from I was born <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh... Um, but um you know having having voice cast who is you know, who have a, a connection to, you know, to like the, the shared stories was really important. Um, there were a couple instances where we, you know, we didn't like the, the guy who played uh, Dr. Talag Busao, mm. Steve Bloom, yeah. white guy. Why? But, yeah, I get it. But, <laughs> but he is like, we've been working with him for, God, over, like over a decade. And he just, he brought it. Like we were just like when we got his his tape, we were like, you know what? Let's just have him read for us. Let's just, let's just see. And when he came back, we're like, oh shit, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> What's awesome is that Lou Diamond Phillips. Uh, we actually had to record him remote, but oh. he was saying how like it's one of the first times he's actually gotten to play like a Filipino in all of his years. That is wow. so sad. It is sad. I, I mean, he was I'm always like I'm the Chicano gangster yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's ambiguously. Latino. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he did also, there was like an article that, um, that was just published like maybe like a month ago about like, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, right? About like him not being cast for like, as a Filipino, as a Filipino. Right. Yeah. Wow. You gave him that moment in his career though. <laughs> it, it was a voiceover. I'm like, Hey, whatever. <laughs> and of course we had to include Dante. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Kind of <laughs> the funny thing about that is, so when I we, when we were on He Man, we actually just sorry, just a little quick aside, we 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 talked about like, okay, if you were in the Matrix, who would, or we, if we made a movie about our group of friends, like who would play you? And my my man, my immediate answer was like Dante Bosco would play me because there's no one else. <laughs> you know what? I can't see it though. But the funny thing about it is his character in Trece as a Mohawk. <laughs> Rufio. Oh, right. So we're like, <laughs> but it was, it was fun. But yeah, like it really was important for us to have like the, the that the cast be, you know, like as as Filipino as possible. So cast and leadership is um, culturally aware. Yeah. So this is my audition for uh for Trece <laughs> season two. <laughs> um. So Mikey, we do have a question. Um. Sure. So. Like from like what you've been talking about, like there was, it seems to be like that you enjoy, um, you know, working for Trece. Um, we want to ask like, what have been the rewards and hardships of working on the show? 
I feel like everything has been pretty rewarding because even even as far as like like sure there's hardships because like so my might just to be completely clear so mm-hmm. you'll see that there were three line producers there mm-hmm. was myself there was Lauren Arnold and mm-hmm. Emiko Littell and you know credit to those two ladies they were fantastic because unfortunately because like once my once my son was born I kind of had to like step away mm-hmm. so I didn't see it all the way up to completion those two did and they did fantastic mm-hmm. you know because like we like Jay created the studio um specifically to make Trece wow. like he did not have anything like he had actually recently been let go from like a DreamWorks gig and so he was trying to figure out what to do and then kind of had the idea like why do I have to follow a studio? Why don't I just make my own? Wow. And then it was weird. It was so weird because all the calls started coming in. Like he got the call from Netflix. And then when, when we started looking for a studio, I called the place where we recorded called Bang Zoom. All the people that were on our crew that mm-hmm. worked with us were all Filipino. Mm-hmm. You know, the like stars our, were aligned. Yeah. yeah. Like, there was like, like the wow. guy who did our mixing, like the, our, our, like the guy who ran our room, um, Shout out to Maverick. His name is actually Maverick. <laughs> Super cool dude. But, you know, it's like everything really did start to align. Um, so as far as that goes, like for us, like that was super rewarding. Like to, honestly, like to have every cast member that came in say like um, how they, you know, they, they just knew that they had to be part of it. You know, like um, Earl Balon, who played General Villar, like when he heard about it, because I think he actually got the call from Bowser. Bowser mm-hmm. was just telling him like, yo, you know, I'm going to be on this thing. He's like, yo, I need to be part of this. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it, it really was just like, it was awesome to, to hear like all the Filipinos in the animation community were really just wanting to be part wow. of it. Wow. It's like an Avengers Assemble kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, 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 was, it was amazing to see like how much like people just really wanted to be a part of it. Um, like Sumali, Sumali Montano, uh, she played the voice of Ramona, mm-hmm. and you know we showed her like what her um, character would look like, and it's like oh yeah, so she's the mother of, you know the the Kambal and like Dalag Busha was like her man, and she told us a funny story about like how like her ex, like one of her exes back in the Philippines was actually like the San Miguel guy who looked kind of <laughs> like that. And we were just like, what? She dug deep for it. Sorry. It was crazy. <laughs> but you know, I just, I, we loved hearing those little stories, you know, like John John Briones came in and it's just like, you know, as Hank and just fucking knocked it out. Like, you know, the part where he's in it the car and he's, he's cussing at the Kambal because they <laughs> yes. jacked up his car. So they just, you know, Jay just kind of gave him the dress. You know what? Just, just cuss. Just cuss at him like you would, like you would. And when he was done, he's like, oh, that felt good. Oh. <laughs> like, he just got to let loose. And I was, you know, was just letting people play was really, was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, Shay Mitchell came in and, you know, she actually ended up redoing some of her lines because like in between pre and post-production. Um, so she actually is kind of related to Leia Salonga. What? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yep we actually were trying to get Leia at one point but it was just like logistically because I think we actually could have because Tanya's got a lot of connections but um it just ended up like not happening we got mm-hmm. Nicole Scherzinger instead um who was also great um but um I guess in between pre and post you know like she had been like she had kind of like been really like thinking about the, the role and stuff and just how to do it um better she just wanted to do it better so she and it's, and it's I, to me I think that like the fact that you were thinking about that in between it's like that's amazing you know and that's 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 really cool so like all of those things hearing all of those things it's just that really is so rewarding to know like we're working on something that everyone just has like you know they want to have like a bit of like not necessarily ownership but kind of you know like they want to just be a part of it you mm-hmm. know as far as hardships, I think really just the hard part of it was just doing a lot of things. Everyone had to wear a lot of hats mm. um, in a small company, um, just starting up. Um, and so there was a lot of, you know, there were a lot of things that got a little bit backed up. Our crew ended up being a little bit bigger than we originally planned, mm-hmm. mostly because, you know, it's just, we wanted to do, 
wanted to do the stories justice and make sure that they were done right. Um, but that, like, the, the hardest thing really was just, like, how much work was put into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just really were hoping that it, it, uh, it showed up on screen. So you mentioned that one episode takes, you said, 48 weeks? Typically, yeah. Um, so then... 48 to 50, yeah. What about for, did I say how, like, for, like, that first season, how long did it take to, like, just be like, all right, we're done, let's publish it? Yeah. that actually so the, the other hard part about that was that COVID hit mm. and so um it I mean we already kind of knew like even even before I had to step away from the project um we already knew that it was um it was going to be a little bit um late but it was also just like trying to fit in like where it was going to go in the Netflix schedule because they were also mm. figuring it out on their end of sort of like okay this is what we plan to do but yeah, when COVID did hit, it's sort of like, well, you know, because there was a plan for like a, you know, a big premiere in Manila that was going to be, you know, and then there was things they had planned for like Comic-Con. Whoa. But all these things just got blown out of the water. So, um, yeah, it was really just like um, just trying to make sure that everything kind of like came together well. Like that was our biggest mm that was the biggest thing was just making sure that everything you know, finally came together. That's great. You forgave a little, a few deadlines. Cause yes, we're still yeah. in this pandemic for sure. I mean, and, and props to Netflix cause they were like, they've been fantastic, you know, like from the get go, like even with like uh, one of their reps had come in cause it's technically under the Netflix anime mm-hmm. banner. Um, but you know, one of their folks had come in early on and just, you know, we had a meeting. It was just like, you know, our beginning group, it was like me, Jay, Jojo, uh, Mel's Wire, and Dave Hartman, like the five of us. And then our Wes Gleason, who was our our, um, our casting and voice director. Um, but just kind of like telling us like, you know, just whatever you guys need, just let us know. Oh, okay. Like they were very supportive. Season like, two and four and three. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that's what we need. <laughs> You know, it's, uh, that's what we need. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm really hopeful. I think that would be fantastic, you know, because so, there's still so many stories to tell, you know, like not only from like the books, you know, because like, you know, the props to like Budget and Kaja for like having this, you know, thing that we could mine from. It's fantastic. You know, and it's just so, you know, they, I love that the way, like the way they just kind of bring it into like modern day. And it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. it's cool. Oh yeah, when I saw the chanak underneath the car, I was just like, "Ooh, that's a chanak." <laughs> it's like at yeah. first I was like, "Is it gonna be a jeepney?" But no, it's a car. Yeah. yeah. So Dave Hartman is our resident monster guy. As long as I've known, as long as we've known Dave, like we've always made the joke, like, oh, well, "I don't know what drugs your mom smoked when you were when you were in her belly, but man, she got some good shit." Because like he's always like as long as I've known him. If you ever look up Dave Hartman and his artwork, like his stuff is fantastic. Like he's done stuff with like Rob Zombie and everything. Like he's he's great. I mean that for real. That that Chinook was fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can and, see and, some of the sketches that he that didn't make it in. And what? Yeah, even for like audiences who aren't familiar with all the folklore, like they knew that that was fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I mean the cooing. <laughs> when you hear the cooing and it like, was scratching. But as fucked up as all that is, uh, I don't know, like, so I say was, like, to hear you talk about how, like, basically, like, all of Filipino animation world, like, really, and just, like, voice acting just really came out to be, like, we want to be a part of this. Um, and for us who are just, like, on the, on the viewing end that really don't know anything about, like, how production works, but are consuming this and how special it is to us. Like, so I wonder, like, as um, being on the production side, like, what else do you um, hope that Trece will, like, fulfill for other Filipinos, like, watching this? I feel like, you know, kind of to, like, to, to like, what, you know, Jean was mentioning earlier, it was just sort of, like, you know, the, the visibility, you know, that our stories have, you know, our, our cultures, is just, it's so rich. You know, and it's like, they're so like, you know, we took our traditional things and put them in sort of like a present day and made it this like, you know, you know, 
for Trece, like for, for budget and, and Kajo, they, they made like these, these stories that just, it's like, yes, it's, it happens in like the now, but it's still woven into like the, the culture and the mythology. And they were able to make it all work into like these great stories. And it's like, you know, and you have like, you know, like the, the strong, like the, we have a female lead. You know, it's yeah, like, that's something indeed. that Hollywood is like always so like reluctant to do for right. some stupid reason. But, you know, and it's just, again, to show like, you know, th- those two things alone, like that it's, you know, a, a minority female. And it's like, and, and it's, and it, you know, it's, a str- they're strong stories. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, they can be, they can be told. And then it's, it's, you know, for, for someone younger, like if I was a kid watching this like, as I was growing up, I, I would like, I would be like, holy crap, is that an Asma? Like, or just hearing like, or, you know, because even in the English versions that we did, um, we still put in Tagalog things mm-hmm. because there are certain things that you just, you, you know, you can have the accent, but you, there's st- still certain things that you just want to let, you know, like, dabi dabi po. you know, like mm-hmm. there's certain things that you just can't get around. Like even when, even when, Trece does spells it's still all in Tagalog so you know and that's and that was um that was something that like like that was also like from Tanya Mm. making sure that a lot of those things and it was great because like to help the actors she would actually do the chants and then send it to us so that way if she wasn't there um, like if she couldn't be piped in like vocally from the Philippines um, that they had a reference that they could actually like kind of mimic if they weren't as familiar because yeah, not not everyone was like as as fluent as like John John. Mm-hmm. Um, what is one piece of advice to somebody who get, wants to get where you are, Mikey? I mean, in terms of your career. Um, hmm. it's funny because like I'm I'm always like, <laughs> it's for me it's it was it's hard to say like go to school because like <laughs> most of the people that I know, they didn't. You know they they found. Um, ways to get in like you can like interning is always is is a a good thing um in a sense that a lot of times for interns they'll try to put you in different departments Mm -hmm. um if you know anybody at like the the television academy they actually have a pretty good intern program and it's spread across like a bunch of different um studios and they do have like the mentors there that actually try to fit you um with what studio they think you might be, you know, most compatible with kind of thing. Mm. And then once you get into the studio, it's like, yeah, you know, cause we've had interns at, um, so I'm at Bento Box mm-hmm. and at Bento, like we would put them in like, you know, have them shadow like a storyboard artist sit nice. in like a, you know, like a, not necessarily a writer's meeting, but you know, something along those lines, maybe like a, uh, animatic review or, you know, some, something was like editing and music, like they try to put you in different places. So you can kind of get the lay of the land. Mm-hmm. And even with production people, like put you with like a, like the art coordinator. Okay. And things like that, like, and, and that, and like, if it's, if art is really like your, your forte and that's the, that's the side you want to go into. Um, there's the, there's the, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the place. Jay Oliva actually used to teach there. It's like the des- the design academy, I think it's mm-hmm. something along those lines in Pasadena. Okay, I'll um, put in the show notes. But the um, like places that actually will teach you what you need to know. I mean, having the basics is great. Like, you have, if you have your fundamentals, you know, like that's that's where school is good. Is like you get your fundamentals, but once you have those, like, let's say you want to just focus on like storyboarding or mm-hmm. background design or character design you can actually take classes like a bunch of my friends who are character designers they they advertise on instagram you know and oh, they started doing okay. they started doing things where they would have workshops where because these guys are like they're super talented like you know one was a character designer and actually was one of the original like um supervising directors on invincible you know like one of them was what did Kipo mm-hmm. and it's it's like these really talented and experienced folks who are you know doing like their own workshops and it's like you can learn what these actual industry people do wow mm. and I think that that part is cool like I the one thing I do wish is that there was like more of a production one because I as far as I know there isn't one 
Good to know. I mean, the gaps are real. They Dang, are. Mike, you got to make that class. Yeah, masterclass, Mike. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Ooh. No pressure. Right, no pressure. Just let the kids finish being toddlers and they can do, do what you, have, you do. You have three students already. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one thing that like, I've, I've been fortunate to have a few um, people work with me who are mm-hmm. genuinely interested in being in production. Like uh, Yelim Heo, actually, who was... Uh, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. I'm sorry. Yet. But um, she was actually uh, one of one of her things, like when, when she and I spoke, like she actually wanted to be in production, which is a rare thing to find in animation. Like a lot of times people are usually in animation in production because they're trying to get to like writing or to, you know, storyboarding or something. Um, my two, my, I always joke that whenever they would give me a PA, it was just so that they could take them away to do something else. <laughs> But I was always like very encouraging. Oh, like that's my good. thing was You're always like, <laughs> don't if like if that's what you want to do, don't get stuck here. Good, mm. that's good you advice. Know, yeah, like I'm always the worst at taking my own advice, though. <laughs> oh, aren't we <laughs> like, all? <laughs> yeah, I had aren't a we all? I had a production manager work working with me at WB, and I would sit behind him and be like, "You need to go home. You have two young children at home, and they're not going to be there forever." I was like, "Turn off your computer. That shit will be there tomorrow." Way to be a solid uh, colleague. And then I would go ahead and work three more hours after you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Mikey, super fun. And also hashtag walang hiya question. Um, <laughs> like on the same vibe as like our slogan, um, has there ever been something that you've done to disappoint your parents? Hmm. I think maybe only like my mom and that's probably just the tattoos. Okay. That's probably the biggest thing. I don't know. I've always been kind of like a goody goody. Oh, okay. But, but um, I mean, I've been, I really, honestly, I, I have been like very fortunate that the, my folks have never really um, like tried to stop me from doing what I do and mm-hmm. to, into like what I've been, been doing. It's just, it, it's like, seriously, like I, I, cause I have like friends and other relatives who are just like, you know, they just tell me like the story is just like, fuck, oh, man, they just won't leave me alone. They just wanted me to do this. Do I mean, we know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just, it, and so that's where like, I'm just, I'm, I'm lucky. Yeah. I'm, I know uh, I'm a, I'm kind of a, I'm, a, I'm an anomaly almost. <laughs> like, as far as uh, like, shout out to Mikey's parents who may or may not listen to this episode. <laughs> I could imagine your mom just being like, ay, my tato, ay, pero yeah. dis, pero oh, dis my, me. <laughs> even one of my, yeah, essentially. But at least you're at Disney. <laughs> one of my titas, yeah. like when I first got this, like it was like the like two days after, and she was just like, "Is that real? Let me see." And then she took it and she looked at it, and then she Ouch. went, "Ouch! No! Oh, no! Oh, Damn! No. Eyes cold. Let's move oh. on, Rex. Uh, Mikey, tell us some Rex life hacks. What's useful? What's good to know? So, there's a couple things. Like definitely, like one of them is like I and I wish I had taken more more of of this advice when i was when my son was younger was that you know when they tell when they when they tell you like yeah when your kids nap you should nap mm. i never did it and, the, <laughs> and which is the hard part now too right because like during the pandemic i'm working from home and you know he's getting older now so he's a lot more demanding of my time so <laughs> it's like it's harder to sleep you know when it's real talk like I now it's like that's the when I'm the most productive mm-hmm. or at least I try to be and then uh probably the only other one that I can really think of which I only found out recently <laughs> is that you don't have to be 50 to join AARP which game is changer so you can get crazy discounts <laughs> like, especially like now that I'm gonna have like you know a family of four like mm-hmm. traveling and getting a hotel like all those things you don't have to be those okay. are things to really be excited about, honestly. So you're saying that all of the things that they mail to me from AARP are actually things that I could use. Because <laughs> like the thing says, like you do not have to, like there is no like age. The fine no, like, ages. Yeah, <laughs> but they can, yeah they make it small so that it's like you just you think it's for like older. You need folks. your reading glasses again. My focus with a line. Thank you, Mikey. Nicole, what's your Rex uh, today? Uh, you know, my parents did actually say something about like Humana, about like not having to be um, of a retiree age <laughs> to <laughs> okay. join in. So 
Um, I think they're just trying to not have young folks in there, but <laughs> um, so my all my recs are from uh, Hugot Core, which I just found out about. Okay. Um, so it's like a genre of emo music coming out of the Philippines. Oh. So I had no idea what Hugot meant, and it, I guess like the literal translation is like to pull out or to draw from. But mm. in the musical sense, it's in talking with emotions. So it's like the literal translation of emo core. Um, and I went on this journey. Yeah, so I I basically went on this journey because of like Trese and then finding other music. Um, So Who Got Core, band number one, is Chin de Terra, which they literally sound like Paramore. Whoa, what? Pinoy Amor. But so they've got like a new single out, but I what really like drew me in, what got the hugot out of me was uh, (laughs) they have this song called Kapagud. And uh, you're gonna, I don't know, like if you love emo core music, like you're really gonna love Tara. And then they also have a cover of Paramore's Ain't It Fun on YouTube that you could check out. Okay, okay, it's on my list. Hugot core number two. Um, I would, I guess I would say it was Hugot Kor. Uh, Sid Hartha has a song called Ayao, which I also really love. I've just been playing it on repeat. Mm-hmm. And then um, Hugot Kor number three, but American Hugot. <laughs> um, Will Smith just came out with a new album. It's so and, good. And it is so good. And it is very emo and very like. Brings me back, man. Oh, I think we're having like a second adolescent <laughs> with, with all this good music um, but yeah check out those three artists yeah i'm glad willow found her own sound daniel what's good um number one youtube karaoke so Ooh. whenever my partner is just like out of town i just blast like whitney houston lower for men um like two semitones slower and they're just like blast it and i just like sing but i make sure my neighbors are not here (laughs) um no complaints you got to practice those vocal runs um number two um for the ube fans um seafood city has ube extract and um it's potent oh one drop is enough (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i would want to drink it but you know maybe um like within this week because i only bought it for the macarons but then i've had ube macarons and it had ube buttercream frosting in it i made ube cupcakes i had ube pancakes. who's eating this are you gonna have hate. purple coops like your coops <laughs> must be purple <laughs> not yet <laughs> um but also they have buko pandan ac- extract so i'm gonna probably make some like buko pandan um taste uh tasty thingies um and then number three uh i just searched it up um so the Las Vegas Valley, wait, what does LVVCLD again? Anyways, um, so the Las Vegas Libraries, I forgot what it was. I forgot. <laughs> it's a long acronym. acronym. I hear you. I hear it's you. like Las Vegas Clark County Library District. Oh, okay. Thank oh, you for L- that. So it's LVCC. Oops. Oh, there we go. Thank you, Google. Um, all right. <laughs> Google Espinoza. <laughs> um, but the, li- the, the Las Vegas Clark County Library District has Trace Volume 1 and 2 in their collection. Okay. Um, and it's through Hoopla, which is a like this like library app that allows you to get audiobooks, ebooks, and stuff. So if you don't borrow it right now, I will. <laughs> um, thank you, Daniel. So my three recs are the, um, you know, Incrustables. Who knew that you didn't have to microwave and just thaw them out? But um, they have hazelnut flavor. So any Nutella fiends who get tired of Kinder Bueno, um, Uncrustables uh, in the frozen section, they have hazelnut. Number two, um, I just want anyone and everyone, I know this is my hope for the world, um, you should research the backstories of our Filipino Olympians. They're awesome. My favorite one is Marjolyn Dydal from Cebu, the skateboarder. Like she just, she's just full of love for, and the passion for skateboarding, but also is a very accessible mentor. Um, and it's just a good loser. Like, I mean, just all around my hero. Awesome. And then um, number three rec is to just dream again. You know, I know that some, some of our states have mass mandates and everyone's kind of 
a curmudgeon about it, but hey, you can still dream again. I know that's kind of irrelevant topics, but anywho, what does your life look like if nothing stopped you, if nothing stopped Mikey, you know? So write it down, draw it out, yell it out loud, um, you know, make that magic happen in your life. That's my last rec. And so this is, or I just want to thank Mikey on behalf of the show. And if anyone, either co-hosts want to say anything, this is now before we sign off. Thank you, Mikey, and thank you, Quincy. Yeah. yeah Quincy. Yeah. Thank you, Mikey. Thank you for having me. It was a good time. Uh, this is Gene. This is Daniel. This is Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> and we are a Filipino podcast to magically disappoint our parents um, and keep keep existing in the uh, media production out here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>